Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 26 of The Hunting Collective. I'm Ben O'Brien, and today I'm in Austin, Texas at Archery Country, the best archery shop in all of Texas, in my opinion. And I'm joined by... A living legend, a man that deserves more respect than anybody I've ever met. After you hear his story, I hope that you will feel the same. His name is Omar Avila. He goes by Crispy, and he is a veteran of uh, the Iraq War and a man who has lived an exemplary life. He was in a, uh, I don't even know how you really explain it, a firefight in Iraq. And it's hard to even talk about because it makes me emotional. But he was in a firefight and he sustained serious injuries and still fights them today. But he's a bow hunter. He is uh, a man of character, a man of conviction, and somebody that we can all look at um, and thank for not only his service, but the person that he is. So without further ado, on our final lap in Texas, I wanted to talk to this Texas native uh, hero, a man who defines what this state is all about, what this country is all about, and what life is all about. So without further ado, Crispy. Crispy. What's up, man? I don't know, man. We're here in Texas. It's freaking August. And 110 and outside. 110 degrees. Sweating, just drawing your bow back. You know, I sweat everywhere I go, especially when I'm using my bow. So. Yeah. But that means hunting season is upon us. Just, or, what, a few weeks ago? I mean, away. A few weeks away. Are yeah. you going to dove hunt this year at all? Or yeah. Are you? Yeah. I'm going to. 
that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I was yeah. talking to Tyler. I want to get one of the uh, one of the front broadheads on my bow, and oh, yeah. if I get bored, <laughs> try to sling one at him. <laughs> you gotta let me know if that starts working out for you. <laughs> right. you get better, you get better with a bow than I'm with a shotgun. Oh man, they're, they're tough hunting. That's right, but it is Texas. That's like the religion down here. You gotta go dove hunting when it opens up. Were you born and raised in Texas? Man, I was actually born in Mexico. Okay. But I was raised in Texas. It's yeah. in Brownsville, which is South Texas. It's a little different than the rest of Texas. So, what, um, tell me about your upbringing, man. Cause I know a lot about your more contemporary story, you know, starting with your military service. But, yeah. What was life like coming up? Man, so I was nine years, I was actually eight. And, uh, my dad, from the u.s served in the military did all that good stuff uh met my mom in mexico got married um my mom wanted to live down there for for a while and then finally um you know we were eight or nine and she's like i want to move so we migrated from south mexico up to matamoras which is right next to brownsville and uh, my dad was trying to do everything legal i mean to try to get us over but it was just gonna take forever yeah and uh, my dad got tired of commuting from from the U.S. to Mexico every single day just for work. And uh, this is awesome because I've never told this story on another podcast ever before. I like it. Um, so my dad had this old school LeBaron convertible. And um, one day, man, he's just he was just fed up. And he's like, I don't care. I paid all the fees. I, and I didn't know what the hell my dad was talking about. So my dad brings brand new clothes for my brother, my sister, and I. Mom's dressed up, and uh, we got balloons and gifts. And I'm just like, oh, we're going to a party with, with a friend or something. And uh, next thing I know, we're going over this bridge. And I just looked at my mom, and my mom's praying, man, like hard, just praying. I've like never seen my mom. Yeah, everything. Yeah, on. I mean, you know, g- growing up Mexican Catholic, obviously, and, you know, she's praying and got a rosary in her hand and whatnot. But before that, my dad looked at me, and, and this conversation was in Spanish, but he told me, you know, if they ask you something, we're going to a party. He's like, you're the oldest, and I, I need you to memorize this word. So he said party. So I'm sitting in the back, and you know, trying to be a good son, and I'm remembering this, this word. And um, we get to this booth, and I had no idea who the guy was, but he's in a uniform. And I'm like, what the hell? Is this a checkpoint or something? I don't know. And he's, he starts talking English to so my dad, asking him where we're going. And my dad's like, oh, it's one of our, uh, one of their cousin's birthday. We're going to McDonald's right across here. And uh, we're going to go, you know, celebrate a birthday. And um, he looks over at my mom. My mom doesn't speak English at all. <laughs> and he goes, you a citizen? And my mom just laughed. And she goes, yes. And uh, he looks over at me and he goes, where are you guys headed? And I just looked at him and I was like, party. <laughs> and had a bunch of balloons in my hand. And uh, the guy said, go ahead. And uh, that's how we crossed the border. Wow. Yeah. And so the the most interesting part of that is the balloons. Yeah. Were the balloons like a a stage? Like if you were holding balloons, oh, it would be more the, convincing? The whole thing was, uh, was staged because he had balloons. We had gifts that were wrapped. I mean, it was just, you know, there was nothing in them, but they were wrapped. Bless your dad for putting <laughs> that together, man. Oh, man. He, he got us awesome. across. That was here in the summer. And, uh, uh, you know, the uh, summer ended. And then I started the third grade. Uh, wow. that that same year so. in brownsville yeah. in brownsville yeah so i ever since you know i grew up there played football basketball wow the whole nine man so you, gotta, you had immediate place to live like he had all he already planned. had a house everything he, oh, he, wow. he had it planned so it was it was all all of his eggs in that basket and so this is how we're gonna do it and i appreciate his uh creativity, yeah, man. man yeah so it was balloons. you know it was it was crazy do you ever i mean when you know 
when that happens, do you feel like when did you figure out that's what had happened when you started living there and never went back to Mexico? Yeah, actually, when I went to school that first year, because everybody there spoke English and I had no clue what was going on. It was catch up or, or get left behind. So uh, I made it one of my my missions early in life was when I got home. Uh, I would pick up a dictionary and try to learn an English word and and implement it in a sentence when I went back to school. And watching TV played a big role. Watching all the, uh, you know, the stupid shows like Power Rangers and Love Ninja that. Turtles and all Love that. It. Yeah, so picked up a lot of a lot of words from it. And uh, uh, you know what they say, man. And I've heard it in a bunch of different podcasts. Is when a child can develop the the, the brain and learn a new language, opposed to an adult, it's a lot harder. Yeah, and uh, it, it was easy, man. I, I picked it up really quick, and uh, that was one of the things my mom always said: learn as much English as you can at school, but when you mm. come home, Spanish. So she wanted us to be bilingual and have that yeah. for the rest of our lives, so we can use it anywhere we go. Well, and in most countries around the world, there, you know, children are bilingual. You go to Canada, and most children yeah. are bilingual. Go to anywhere in Europe, most children are you know trilingual, mm-hmm. if that's a word. Um. Yeah, we just in America. We, yeah, we get lazy. We like American. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, everywhere you go, everybody speaks English. No, yeah. no matter where you at, the, yeah. everybody knows language or, yeah. or somewhat knows language. So, yeah, that's where we get lazy. <laughs> and then, you know, was your childhood normal? Do you yeah, feel man. like after that you just felt like a normal American kid? It was all American, home? man. And just, uh, you know, mom and dad had two jobs trying to support us to raise us right. I take care of my brother, and my sister. Being the oldest, uh, grew up playing football, basketball. Yeah. I was like all American in high school. had had opportunities to go play football at different universities here in Texas. I mean, it was just all American upbringing. It was just you know South Texas and yeah. hunting, and you know just kind of it was a whole three sixty. Man, I, I never would have thought you know that I was born in Mexico or anything. It was just you know it was uh, kind of a you know, all the things that you experienced growing up here. You know, I got my first pair of boots. I got the first one to ride a, a, a bike or a horse. And first time I went dove hunting, you know, it's just yeah, it, uh, just the upbringing of being an American. It was just there the whole time. Yeah, happy so, childhood, sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, I had a blast, man. My parents were amazing. They they always busted their ass to provide for us. And not one, once did I ever hear them complain or, 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 or bitch about anything. They never asked for government assistance. They knew that... You know they needed to do it the right way, man, and and you know that that kind of rubbed off on on myself and my siblings. It was just, yeah. you know, always do the right thing. And you're close with your siblings now, even yeah, oh, yeah, man. We're we're always been close. Uh, I speak to my siblings at least four times a week, as whether text or phone call or FaceTime yeah. or whatever. Where we all stay in touch. Same thing with my parents. Um, you know, we we talk on a daily. So it's just, uh, man. I've always told people it's kind of. It's kind of a blessing, man, how Hispanic people are brought up. You know, we're, we're very family-oriented, and it's it's a big part of who we are. Yeah. And, and that, I've always been blessed with that, man. Even when I got injured, my parents dropped everything. Uh, my dad um, was the executive chef at a restaurant in South Padre Island, and he yeah. dropped everything. My mom had just opened up a salon, and uh, she she's a cosmetology major and had her own salon and stuff and sold it and moved brother and sister dropped school and, and came straight to San Antonio to be wow. with me. So it's that support system. It was, it's always been there. So we're, we're yeah. super tight. Well, it makes, I think it, it makes for stronger people, stronger souls, Yeah, you know, more resilient souls after what you're going through. And, you know, I'm, you, you know, as a kid, you, you probably don't realize what, 
crossing the border meant and what not at all life you <laughs> not at all man not at all I, I never did not not till like you know when i was uh young and dumb and, and in high school and we go to matamoris you go and party and whatnot and i come over and uh you know they ask you in the board like hey u.s citizens like yeah man what are you talking about let's go and um you know, I come back home. I tell my mom we went to Mexico. She's like, "Whoa, like, <laughs> you can't get in trouble, or you're gonna get deported." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And so I never yeah. really realized till uh, I was probably a sophomore in high school. So when my dad got done paying all the fines, mom and dad paid all the fines, and we got an attorney and all that. And uh, it was a a week and a half before 9/11 happened, which is my wow. sophomore year, is when I became a citizen. Wow. Yeah. So a week and a half before nine eleven. Before nine eleven happened. What a story. Um, yeah. So when nine eleven happens, um, I think probably something changed in you a yeah. little bit. You start feeling um, a need to serve or or a call to duty, as it were, without saying being too hyperbolic. Yeah, no, man, and it's it's the same thing that I, I, millions of other guys, you know, they heard the calling, and it was the same thing for me. Uh, I knew I was the oldest and um, I, I knew I needed to go and I was just, you know, when it happened, man, I, I had always felt American, but till I got my citizenship, that was a validation of of me being a real American and, and being proud and, and whatnot. So sitting there and watching those towers get hit, man, I think I was one of maybe five kids that were crying because it, it had that much of significant impact in my yeah. life. And right then and there, I made up my mind. I said, I'm going to go. And, and, and go fight these cowards so that my brother and my sister can grow up free in our country and and accomplish anything they want to be. You know, if they want to be a doctor or a surgeon, whatever, it, you know, the case was, I wanted to go over there and fight for them um, so that they can live free. Yeah. And, and I feel like it was my duty, man. I feel like, you know, the, the U.S. gave me an opportunity to be an American and gave me the chance to accomplish and be anybody that I wanted to be. And I felt like I needed to fight for that so that my siblings can can keep living it. Yeah, so yeah. So yeah, I mean, how old were you there? That time? Sophomore in high school was fifteen, fifteen, sixteen. About the same age. That's why I think I was about sixteen. I didn't feel anything like that. Um I just think like what strikes me about how you grew up and how I grew up in like the suburbs and comfortable life my parents worked their ass off on their own business and worked hard a lot yeah but i think there was a there's just a different mentality like the 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 immigrant mentality the mentality coming over here and the appreciation that you had i feel like shit for not having but it's <laughs> not but, that i feel like shit i just i, I understand yeah. how you got to where you got to and why you got there yeah and i also understand like why my path took a little bit longer it took me you know six seven eight 10 years to realize holy crap what do i have here um because there, there's nothing else to compare it to it's just like it's just life yeah that's what it was um so how long you went through high school when you got out of high school did you immediately join the, the army or i did man so when i was a senior i was kind of on the fence because i had a couple universities uh asking you know if i wanted to come play football there and it's just that was another thing man football became live for me you know as, as yeah. any texan yeah. man it's just it, it took over and, and i happened to be a great athlete i was 6'2 185 pounds and i was running the 40 like a, i can't remember it was like four six four five something Oof. like that yeah so you know a couple of different schools wanted to turn me from a defensive end into a linebacker and uh 
You know, I mean, I remember there was nights that I couldn't sleep just trying to make up my mind of what I wanted to do. But I remember I said I, I had made that the, that promise that I was going to go. And uh, I just kind of pushed all the schools away and signed up, man. And everybody yeah. was kind of shocked of what I had chosen to do. Yeah. But, you know, signed up and then left right away, man. I think I went into the recruiting office. It was June 16th, June 26th. I was on an airplane. Wow. To Fort Benning, Georgia. First time I ever been on a plane. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Headed to Fort Benning, Georgia because I had signed up as and an you're infantry the 18 man. then? Uh, I was 18, yeah. 18? Yeah, 18 years old, brand new, man. I'd never been been gone from home more than like a week or something. So what's that moment like when you're on the plane going to Georgia and you realize I'm flying away to a strange place to join this thing? <laughs> man, a lot of mixed emotions, just yeah. uh, wondering what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, where is this going to take me? Just a lot of mixed emotions, uh, happy, excited, just thrilled. And uh, man, it's just – I. Just a lot of mixed emotions, man. But yeah. it was it was all good. At that point, is it all opportunity for you? Remember back then? Like, it's all about the opportunity. It's not like I'm sacrificing getting on this plane. No, not at all. It was just kind of one of, like, you know, I started thinking about it. I was like, I'm going to go do this. And then when I get done, I, I want to be, uh, you know, my I, I did a lot of research in the military. I wanted to come in as an infantryman. And then I wanted to move over to Ranger Battalion. And then from there, I wanted to be in the special operations community because, you know, I started looking at all those things. I had friends that were already in uh, that were seniors when I was a sophomore that had gotten injured. I mean, that had joined the military mm -hmm. and had gone down that path. So that that path was already there for me. And I, that's what I wanted to do. So it, it was all opportunity. I just wanted to keep growing. And I had made up my mind. I wanted to make the military a career. So yeah, it was yeah. like it was all in for me <laughs> <laughs> with the military. Yeah. So then when you get there, you get to to georgia and you start to experience what this is like this is basic training i'm assuming yeah it was uh man it it, it took me for a spin i was not <laughs> expecting it like you know a lot of the guys kind of prepared me they're like listen they're gonna yell at you they, they are gonna get in your face and i was like oh, i can take that oh, i've but, seen i've seen yeah, yeah the gunny i've seen that yeah so i was like okay i'm ready for this and then uh you know i accidentally bumped into one and, and this is you're talking about 2004 when they can still put their hands on you now yeah. it, i hate it but the, the military's gotten super soft and they, everybody cares about everybody's emotions and feelings now. And, and back then, they didn't care, man. They were like, we're, we're, we're shipping you up to go to war. We don't care about your feelings. And, uh, you know, I, I bumped into one of them. And next thing I know, I'm on the ground. I'm getting kicked by all six of them. And Holy so it was there was that kind of military. And now that I look back at it, I was like, man, that shaped me up to who I am today. But it, it was uh, – there was definitely some lonely nights, man, when you start thinking of all your buddies back at home. And, you know, I, like I said, I went there in the summer, so I didn't graduate till like around December. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I wish I was in a blind right now hunting or oh, I no. wish I was dove hunting or, you know, yeah. just the thought of having a dip in your mouth and, and walking some fields. Man, that's kind of where it used to bring me back at night and yeah. miss, miss home. And you were living that like idyllic Texas Friday night lights yep. life, weren't yeah. you? I mean, you know for lack of a better term, like start of the football team, jock. Yeah. Probably, you know, had a lot in front of you. Yeah, man. Went you know? from being in the front of the newspaper to being yeah. in a room where nobody gave a shit who I was. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a culture shock for sure. Yeah. Be, they, yeah. they kicked you, man. Yeah, man, they did. They, they kicked people today. They'd be like, they have oh, sensitivity shit. training the next week. Man, the army be done if they found that. They just shut it down. Yeah, shut the whole thing shut down. Shut it down. Nope. No more basic they training. They kicked a guy. They kicked a guy. <laughs> it's funny you say that, 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 that shapes you later on or that even today you, that you're appreciative of that. It's not yeah. like some bad experience. That oh, not felt. at all. I, I mean, you know, it, it, it just, 
Man, it's lessons in everything. I don't think that it was meant to necessarily break me or change me in a bad way. It's just, hey, man, these are the rules, and, and this is the way that everything's set up, and you put your hands on a superior, and we're not going to tolerate it. You know, it's the same thing. If I would have had one of my privates put their hands on me, oh, you damn sure me and my other NCOs are going to beat the crap out of you. And, and it just, you know, teaches you to establish um, – you know, the, the channels that that's yeah. in the military, you know, from a private all the way up to the higher command. And it's just yeah. it's a military, man. It's not a, yeah. a, it's not a nine to five working at a McDonald's or at a car wash or something where it's a lot different. This is at the end of the day, this is this job. Your life is on the line yeah. and I don't have room to baby anybody or, or, or be soft. Like yeah. you, you expect something from everybody. That's, and, that's, and that's that's just what it is. That's yeah, reality. No, you didn't get like a participation show. You participated in the beating. Yeah, here you go. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I never did it again. I make sure yeah. we're in my surroundings at all times. So well, that's it. I, that severe punishment teaches you immediately. I realize right, right now that my wife is doing that to me with things like hand towels, <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. I'll like pick up the wrong hand towel and put it on the dishes. She'll be like, I'll fucking kill you. I'm like, I get what you're doing. Yeah, I, that's like kicking me. Mm-hmm. I get it. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think your story as it builds, because I've read read it a couple times and I was interested to go through it with you, but I didn't know a lot of this, these little points, but it builds into this, this, you know, people love to talk about Pat Tillman leaving the NFL. They like, you know, these sacrifices are the type of people that are molded in, shaped in their young lives to be mature enough to make that type of sacrifice. Um, and then being put in a room with, you know, a lot of people that have that same idea. I mean, that's got to, that's got to oh, change huge. you. Everybody feeds off of everybody, Has man. To. And it's, it's just one of those. It's one of those things where a lot of people always talk is like, what happens when you put all this alpha guys together? You know, it's going to be a competition and whatnot. And, and that's the complete opposite there. Everybody understands that it's a team and everybody's got to work together. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've always I've always heard everybody kind of talk about like, oh, all these betas and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, dude, you don't understand. You got to have all these betas and then one alpha because if that alpha goes down, you know, this fate is going to step up. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's just a team environment, man. And you got to understand when you put all those type A personalities in the same room, it's bigger than all of us. It's yeah. bigger than, than, than your ego and, and what you think you are. It, it's, it's a whole group. Yeah. So it, it definitely was, it's life changing. And I loved it because I, you can, now I can work with people like that and not take it to offense and be like, well, he's trying to outdo me. I'm going to do him. It's just like, I'm at, that level that i completely understand and respect yeah. yeah yeah so you're in you're in basic training and then what's the next step for you basic training uh got done you know uh you go through infantry school you get your blue cord which is an infantry blue cord and then i uh, went through a school called the javelin it's uh it's one of the most expensive missiles that, that the army has they're like five hundred thousand a piece wow and i went through that school because i was waiting for airborne school to open up and, and at this time there's a lot of people that were coming in because they wanted to go fight so the schools were kind of backed up. So I went to that school for a, for about a week. Was it a week? Yeah, it was a week. Graduated, went through everyone's school, and um, got shipped to my unit. Got to come home for two weeks. And um, luckily, it was during Christmas time, so I got to spend That's Christmas cool. and New Year's with my family. And then I got shipped to Germany. Uh, my order said Europe and I was excited because uh, the only um, airborne unit in Europe was the 173rd where it was out of Italy. So I was like, oh man, that's awesome. 
Coming to find out, the army had different plans for me. They're like, you're not going to an airborne unit. You're going to a mechanized unit, which is it's a mechanized infantry unit. We rode around Bradley's, which is kind of yeah. smaller tanks. And, uh, you know, I see my orders and I'm like, oh, shit, Germany. And I was like, well, what airborne units in Germany? And everybody's like, none. And I was like, damn it, I went to that training for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens a lot. And I got to my unit. Um, the guys were just getting back from deployment. And, uh, you know, then we started uh, our regular rotation, started going to the field, started getting ready for uh, for our deployment and uh, deployed. And, uh, man, it, we, we got into a zone called Atamiya, which it was the last place that Saddam Hussein had been seen before he went into hiding. And the guys before us actually um, had a battle between his two sons and the, that, that oh, wow. castle that we took over or their palace that we took over. And you can tell, man, there was just the, every building was all jacked up with bullet holes here and there. And um, that place had, hadn't had been uh, patrolled in two years. So we kind of showed up and then took over. So how many people in your unit? And then what was your kind of role? So we're about 390 guys. That's a company element. And uh, I was a gunner. Um, so when you come in as a company, you got to break it down. You got first platoon, second platoon, third platoon your headquarters so there there's about four or six different groups and uh we all kind of take turns in patrols kind of establish that we're in the area so kind of the the biggest thing that was going on there man is you had the sunni uh and the shi and the sunnis used to come over to the shi kidnap them and uh do execution style man sit them just shoot them in the head and they go back to their side and then these guys would go back and retaliate so it was a constant battle going back and forward so we need to show presence and and stop them because a lot of ied materials were coming out of that area so we kind of needed to come in and we did a lot of night raids and we went after hvts which is high value targets there was a lot of um, a lot of guys that had bedded themselves in that area that were supplying millions and millions of dollars to people all over Iraq to buy uh, products, make more IEDs and ammunition and guns and all that stuff. So that was our, our main goal was to come in and capture these guys, whether they be dead or alive, and, and bring them into justice. So it was it was a constant day. There wasn't a day, man, that nothing didn't go on while we were there. Wow. Lately, I've been telling you guys about Land.com, the site that can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own where you can do all the hunting, fishing, hanging out with family you want. Land can be a great investment. Getting your own piece of land is something that can both generate income over time and also generate a lot of memories for generations to come. It's an investment you get to use and enjoy and take care of while it works for you. And any good investor will tell you to start investing sooner than later. Well, they've got hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Land.com can help you find properties for hunting, fishing, a lake house, a hobby farm, or if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound as a way to better secure future generations. Land.com will also help connect you with the right agent that specializes in rural real estate. So enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. 
let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. Comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know, super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. And so how prepared were you uh, looking back at it now? You feel like getting in there it was just i'm doing a job i'm performing a function or was there some just sticker shock of i'm in war now no um man dude it's just as an infantryman i think we're wired a little different than everybody else in the military uh, or any operations guys or, or just frontline jobs uh, we're wired a little different we're in a sense i guess brainwashed it was like you're your sole purpose is to kill the enemy and that's it you know and so Training for so long, you know, it's just kind of like a hunter. You, you shoot your bow. What does John do? Like a hundred arrows a day or something? <laughs> Dudley, something yeah. crazy, yeah. Um, so that that was our job. We practice every single day, and then you get dropped in the area, and you want to put your skills to the test, you know. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what it was. We were ready to go, and we we're ready to get up in a firefight and and implement everything that we learn on how to overrun and win. So it was. Uh, yeah, man, I was ready. I, I, all of us were ready, to be honest. And 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 it was there was never a sense of like, oh shit, what am I doing here? It was just like, come on, I'm ready. Do my job. Yeah, yeah pretty much. But um, but yeah, man, like the first time that we got a firefight, and I actually saw, uh, the guy that I had killed in a firefight. It 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 was probably a split second where it was like, holy shit, I'm 18, 19 years old, and I just took a life. Yeah. And but it it was as soon as you you know you process that and and you let it go because it's part of your job, then then it's it's behind you. Yeah. And, and honestly, man, it was it was one of those things where it was like he was trying to do me in and I beat him to the punch. So next one, 
type yeah. deal thing. And you, you can't let that consume you because the minute that it does, you can't perform your job at a hundred percent. And that's when you start getting complacent or you start yeah. making mistakes that could cost somebody else's life. Yeah. It's gotta be an efficient machine. You don't have time to yeah. let your own personal feelings get into pretty it. much. You're right. a machine when you're there. Yeah. And so what year is this, by the way? 2007. 2007. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, as you're talking, think where I was, like some dumb college. So it was, it was 06. So sorry. We got there in 06, but yeah. Yep. And so you're there for how long are you there for a year or so? So we were supposed to be there for a year. And, um, this is a time where the surge had happened. So there was a lot, a lot of fighters coming in from Syria and a bunch of different places. So the fighting was really good. And, uh, that's when president Bush decided to extend us from 12 months to 15 months. And, uh, you know, none of us cared when we we're like, come on, let's do this. Cause you know, uh, we were all looking at it. Like we're getting paid a lot more yeah. cause it's extended pay. And then you get extra pay for this and that. So instead of making like, I don't know, I think we were, what if we were making like three grand a month or something like oh. that, you were going to make like five. So we were all like, uh, hell yeah. We're rich. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to buy a brand new car when yeah. I get home. <laughs> so like, you know, we were looking at, 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 at a pay and, and spending a little more time at home. Um, so I'll jump into it a little, like the day that I got hurt. So we were already there yeah. 11 months and, uh, man, it just started off like any other day, dude. It was, uh, November 14th and, uh, I'm sorry, May 14th of 2007. And, um, we rolled out, man. And we were a five vehicle convoy. There was, uh, I was in the third vehicle in the middle. And, uh, as we're rolling out, it was like six in the morning An IED goes off and it hit the last vehicle. Well, thankfully it was a small one. I think they were trying to line us up for the much bigger one and the small one goes off Explain you know, id by the way so an id is a, a, a explosive device that they kind of either shape it or hide it in, in in the road or they can dig a hole mm-hmm. and plant it so it's an improvised explosive device that's what it is and uh so small little bomb goes off it just blew the spare tire and so we were like okay we're ready to go with this is a situation we get back and we start patrolling and man, around, I don't know, like 8.30 in the morning, I just had like this eerie feeling. I was like, man, there's something going on. It's too quiet. There's nobody in the street. Like, w- what is going on? Like, there's just something fishy about this. And as we were doing that, we were to say we we're traveling north. We started getting engaged from our left-hand side. And on that road that we were on, the only road, the only way you can turn was to the left. So we're rolling, and the first two vehicles just start getting pounded by an AK. They couldn't turn, so they pushed forward, and we turned from the incoming fire, and I just opened up on my 50 cow, and I remember seeing about five of them, and I dropped about three or four of them. One of them got away, and as soon as we do that, we all came back into formation, but this point, this time I was leading the lead vehicle, and as we do that- So you you're know, like in a turret? I'm in a turret. I was a gunner. Okay. So I'm in the gunner behind a 50 cow. Yep. And as this happens, you know, we come back into formation and I see enemy in front of us again. And I, I'm telling my driver, we got enemy in front. Let's go. Let's go. So we start going. I start opening up fire. And I remember going over a bump and we've been there 11 months. I knew the real, like the back of my hands, man. I knew we were at, yeah. I, I knew everything. And um, I remember going on that bump and I, I just took a second and I closed my eyes and I was trying to process everything i was like wait that shouldn't be here we're on this nope that should not be there and then as i was doing that 
the loudest IED that I've ever heard went off. And and at this point, I've been blown up about 11 times. So it was, I, I, I knew an IED. In Your this vehicle one. had been hit by IEDs or you yeah, just been? Yeah, no, my, every other vehicle that I was on had been hit by, by an IED about 11 times before wow. I really got injured. And you're very uninjured by those or just Just concussions and, and scrapes here and there. Um, so I remember this one and this one was just loud and the guys behind us hit the vehicle went up about three or four, uh, feet in the air. And we were lucky cause it was a commanded nation ID. So what they did is they, there was a house on the right hand side and they had dug a hole away to the street and packed it with explosives and commanded nation. The guy that was inside panicked because he was supposed to hit it in the middle of the, of the, of the Humvee. So split the Humvee and kill everybody. So he timed it wrong and he hit the back side of it, hit the fuel tank. Um, vehicle goes up, it comes down. Now in that vehicle, there was five of us. It was the driver was Catterton. I was a gunner. We had TC Campos. Uh, Fleming was in the back and we had um, Harky behind the, the, the uh, TC, which is a truck commander. And uh, vehicle goes up, man, I come down. And when I hit the platform of the gunner's hatch, I my legs kind of gave out a little bit. And I fell down to the right on Harky's lap. And I remember looking at Harky and man, his eyes were just white. He was, he was dead. He was killing the impact. And uh, I remember looking at him and he's, he was just, his body was so, it felt weird, man. He was just so loose and limb. Like you can feel like every bone in his body had broken or something. And, you know, I looked at his eyes and they were just white. And I was like, man, he's dead. And, in my in our world, man, you either come home alive or you don't. You know, I never knew there was such thing as being injured and coming home and living somewhat of a normal life. That was not in my job description. So I'm laying there. There's fire around me. You know, I look to my left. Uh, Fleming jumped out, and I see him running on fire. It was so slow but so fast. And then our driver got out, and I remember Compost couldn't get out because the fire had burned his equipment into the seat. And he's grabbing me and telling me to get out. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm good. Like, yeah, this is it for me. And he's like, get out, get out. And uh, I remember I was making peace with God um, because at that point we had lost about 18 guys that I saw on, on a regular day. Like yeah, on, a, on a regular basis, I saw these guys and we had yeah. meals and stuff and we lost that many guys. And you knew the reality. Yeah. So, seen it. It wasn't like, oh, people, oh, somebody yeah. died. It, you knew. Yeah, and then, you know, seeing the bodies and stuff over your fellow soldiers, it was just kind of, you know, it angered me. And I blamed God. I was like, why can you allow this to happen? You know, we're here to do something good, and you're letting my brothers get killed. So I was mad at a woman for a while. I, I didn't believe in them. But as I was laying there, I was making peace with him, and I was asking him to take care of my brother and my sister, and most importantly, to take care of my mom, because I knew my mom was going to be, wasn't going to take it very well. And I knew my dad was going to be okay. Being a military guy, he knew the risks that yeah. I was taking and, and what, what comes with that job. And um, so I'm laying there making peace with God, dude. And I just remember feeling like this inner light in me. And until today, man, I credit God 100%. But something inside kind of reached over and said, not today. This is not where you die. Get up. And I got up and I'm in that 50 count. I started shooting back to make time so the guys can come on and get compos out. And they did. And as that happened, um, that vehicle, we had extra grenades, extra ammunition. So things started cooking off, you know, with all that heat, yeah. things started exploding and a grenade went off and peppered me all in my right side. 
And at that point, I said, all right, now I need to get out. So I climb up the gunner's hatch. And as a gunner, you're taught to jump from the top onto the engine and then down because it's about six feet high. Yeah. And uh, I looked at the engine. The engine was on fire. And I was like, there, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this without going down with the engine and dying there. So I looked at the back, couldn't do that. So I jumped to the side. And when I jumped down, I was still on fire. My body was still burning. Both of my femurs broke. So I remember being there and I was like, shit, I'm still on fire. Stop, drop, and roll. But I already dropped, so I rolled. And man, till today, dude, I I, I want to find the guy that invented it and beat the shit out of him because it doesn't work. <laughs> I rolled and rolled and the fire was not going oh, off. Jesus. Then finally, one of the guys kind of rolled up on me and, and put me out with a fire extinguisher and he said, hold on, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get help. Well, as he said that, the insurgents, about 30 to 40 of them were coming towards our way, shooting already. They were trying to finish the whole platoon off. And, uh, you know, I can't blame him. He got busy shooting back and whatnot and kind of slipped his mind. So I'm there and I managed to grab my M4 as I jumped out. And uh, there was a door behind me. So I saw it. I started pushing myself towards it. I turned around three, took about three shots to the door just to make sure nobody was coming out of it. And I started scanning the rooftops where there was guys in the rooftops. So I started shooting, trying to divert them from shooting the other way. And uh, as I did that, man, I it was kind of like the scene of Black Hawk. You remember when the the, the choppers come in and all that brass comes down yeah well two black hawks were in our in our ao which is our area of operations and they had seen the smoke come up so they came to check it out and they noticed that it was us and so they established communication with the guys on the ground and told them where we were at so these guys came in and just started smoking all these dudes from the top we got very lucky so they they took all these guys out and uh just brass falling everywhere and i was just like oh shit and uh, I remember laying there, and I ran out of ammo. So I'm just sitting there waiting for somebody to see me. And one of my guys was running by me, and he looked at me, and he's like, dude, are you alive? And I'm sitting there looking up on him, and I was like, I, I think so. And he's like, oh, all right, we got to get you up. And I was like, I think my legs are broken. And he takes a quick glance at me, and he goes, no, 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 you're fine. And I was like, okay. So he picks me up, and um, you know, I put a lot of my weight on him, so I was able to walk. So we walk to the next Humvee, and as we get to the next Humvee, he goes, all right, dude, I got to let you go. I got to open the door because these doors are up armor. They're about 500 pounds. And I said, cool, don't worry about it. So he lets me go, and as he opens the door, all that weight goes back on my femurs, and they re-break, and I just fall back. Oh. And I remember watching him, the Humvee, and then the sky, and he just comes over me, and he goes, oh, shit, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, dude, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I was like, but I told you my legs were broken. And he's just looking at me in shock. Well, man, my adrenaline was so high that I couldn't feel it at all. And uh, he grabs me and throws me inside the uh, the Humvee. And he's like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get the medic. And I said, okay, go. Well, as I'm sitting on that Humvee, the driver was a replacement. Brand new guy. First day in theater. First day out the wire. And uh, so he's he's... He's freaking out a little bit. I can't blame the guy. It's his first day. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's kind of screaming pretty loud. And um, I just reached over and I slapped the shit out of him. And I said, shut up. You're okay. We're going to be fine. And he's like, okay, okay, Sarn. So I said, give me the headset. And he gives me the headset. And I call up the company. And I was like, man, I got, I got four wounded. I got one dead. Uh, I need a medical evacuation. As soon as possible, we're going to push out of, out, of, out of the kill zone here soon. And nobody knew that I was wounded because, you know, I just got on the mic and I started giving directions and, and, and commands. And, and man, it's just, it's part of the job. Like, 
at the end of the day, it's just, it's part of the job and that's what I was taught to do. So it all kicked in. And as all that kicks in, the medic jumps in and he grabs my arm, starts giving me an IV and starts assessing my, my, um, uh, my injuries. And I looked at him and I was like, doc, I, I need some water, man. I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm dying. And he goes, man, I can't give you any water. Um, you know, you're extremely dehydrated and burned. He's like, I don't want to give you any right now. And me being me, I kind of looked over him and I was like, dude, I rank you. Give me some fucking water right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, fine. He gives me a water bottle. I take a sip. And uh, I made the biggest mistake of my life, man. I poured it over my head. And all the chemicals and everything just kind of rolled into my eyes. Oh, and uh, I went blind for a little bit. Oh. I couldn't see. To top it off. I asked the driver what uh, position we were in the convoy, and he said we were the first vehicle. So I knew it was my job to get everybody back because he had no clue where we were going. So right then and there, I made up my mind. I was like, do I panic or do I keep my composure and get this guy back? And I knew I needed to keep my composure because it wasn't just me. There was a lot of guys depending on me to make the right call. And as we do that, you know, you can hear over the radio, we're loaded up, we're loaded up, we got to go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we started pushing, and um, like I mentioned earlier, we were within 11 months, so I knew this place like the back of my hand. So I was like, I knew exactly where we were at, and I knew how to get back. So I started giving him commands on how to get back, and he's following them, and I asked him, I was like, can you see the gates? And he's like, I see the gates. So I was like, give me the headset. So he gives me the headset. I call it up. I was like, open the gates. We're coming in. We're coming in. We rolled in. And uh, as soon as we roll in, uh, there was already the medics waiting on us. And there, like I said, there was four of us wounded, one dead, and we only had three medics. So when they opened the door to my home, I closed it. And they were like, what the hell? So they opened it again. I closed it. And they opened it. I was like, dude, we need to get you out. I said, there's three other guys behind me that are worse than I am. Get them. And they're looking at me like, you're pretty jacked up. You're naked. You're burned. I'm still, there's still smoke coming out of my body. And, uh. What what was awesome was that we were attached to Special Forces Group that was right next to us. So their medic came over and he's like, hey, man, I'm here. I got you. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So he grabs me. And um, as soon as he grabs me, he um, they take me inside. And as I'm laying there, I see the guys coming in. And I looked at a compass and I was like, you good, bro? And he couldn't speak. And he's like, I was like, all right, man, we're going home. And he's like, all right. Um, shortly after that, the the choppers came in. They picked us up. They took us to what's called the Green Zone, which is one of the biggest uh, FOB, forward operating base in Iraq. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a small city, and they had yeah. a full um, hospital there. So we fly into there, and I remember getting there, and I remember watching the guys come in, and that's all I remember. Then after that, Man, I, I don't remember everything for about three months. I was in an induced coma for about wow. three and a half months. But I woke up in, in Brook Army Medical Center, which is in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah. And my whole family was there when all that happened. And I just remember waking up and kind of disoriented. I didn't know what was going on. But it was, you know, I was looking at myself like, what the hell? Like, what happened? And uh, it took me a little bit to grasp what had happened. And then from there, man, and everything else began. Like, it, surgeries and... and um. Uh, did they think you were going to die at any point? They did. So they actually gave my mom and dad a 30% chance of me of surviving. So they told them to get ready and start making funeral arrangements. So, but my mom refused, you know, her being religious and all of us being, she was like, no, God's going to 
spare his life and he's going to save him. And, you know, 11 years and here I am. <laughs> but yeah, man, yeah. it was, uh, as a result man. of it, it was 75% burns to the body, 34th degree burns, uh, lost the right leg below the knee on the right side. And I think I'm at 102 surgeries since then. Jesus. Yeah. But Hey, I'm here, man. I can't You're complain. Here. Yeah. You got a smile on your face right now. Even Heck yeah. The story. <laughs> the shocks. Oh man. It's just, it's part of life, man. It's just, you know, whether it's that or, 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 you know, I think we, as people accomplish a lot of things in our lives, there's a lot of obstacles and we don't give ourselves enough credit. We sell ourselves short and, you know, we get wrapped up about stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and opposed to being happy and, and just celebrating life every single day, man, we're here for a short, short time. Yeah. And I think people waste a lot of time in being negative or fighting with other people and just taking things way out of hand. So, yeah. man, I, I try to live as happy as possible and try to give as much as I can and try to share my story with as many people as I can, because if it makes it a, an impact in theirs, man, that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, what strikes me about the way you tell the story is just the the nature of which, as you tell the details of your experience, you know, because you're only living through your experience. You can't, you know, I'm sure you've talked to your other teammates and the folks you serve with. Um, and that's important. But what's more important is that you never addressed during telling all that story the pain or having looked down and seen your body during that time or, you know, any any point of realizing what was actually happening you were dealing with what was right in front of you and dealing with the safety of others and dealing with your duties rather than dealing with uh what was happening to you lately i've been telling you guys about land.com the site that can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own where you can do all the hunting fishing hanging out with family you want land could be a great investment getting your own piece of land is something that can both generate income over time and also generate a lot of memories for generations to come it's an investment you get to use and enjoy and take care of while it works for you and any good investor will tell you to start investing sooner than later well, they've got hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Land.com can help you find properties for hunting, fishing, a lake house, a hobby farm, or if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound as a way to better secure future generations. Land.com will also help connect you with the right agent that specializes in rural real estate. So enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. Comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, 
you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code, the code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Man, it's just part of the job, man. Uh, that's, that's, I, I can't stress that enough, man. It's just, Everything kicks in because it's just, you know, it's second nature. You know, you practice to do that so many times. And when that situation presents itself, you know exactly what to do. And, yeah. you know, it's just, I think I keep uh, saying it's like kind of like hunting, man. You practice so much and you make different things and different adjustments to your scope or, or your bow or whatever it is that you're hunting with. You know where you got to place a shot or yeah. what do you got to do if you don't. So it's the same thing, man. The same thing in the military. You train for every single scenario you can think of and we had trained for that so it just it all just kicked in yeah i wasn't doing something extraordinary or being a hero or anything it was just what i was taught to do yeah. it just kicked in so. yeah well so you get back you remember waking up in the hospital and then many many surgeries yep many many <laughs> many many surgeries um and then you get some awards at some point yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a couple of words here and there with Valor and whatnot, but yeah, I'm in there. They call them awards. Uh, yeah, the right terminology. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, it's the words, man. You know, you get you get different things. So you get a purple heart, purple heart, silver star, bronze star. Um, uh, that's and I think it was like an Army Commendation Medal with Valor. Just yeah. a bunch of different. I mean, what's that? What's that mean to you now? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, Nothing. That's what I figured. Yeah. That would have been my I, guess. Man, they're just, they're just uh, man, I don't know how to explain. It's just stuff that you get for for doing your job and not that it, it's supposed to validate anything, but they're there more for, for putting them on your uniform and looking good when you go out and whatnot or talking smack to your buddies and be like, you ain't yeah. got one of these. That, but at the end of the day, man, I don't think any metal uh, – represents who that person is or shapes them up or, or does anything yeah. different it's just it's just a piece of freaking metal that costs maybe two dollars to make. Like, <laughs> well uh, it signifies something but the other thing i was thinking while we were talking about this is like what was the real award because the award wasn't the purple heart like that's not what you what you got from this but there was you were awarded something for going through this experience whether it was a very personal thing that you you feel you've achieved as a better self or you know just a better perspective like what at the end what was the real award from this 
I mean, it's harrowing. It's 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 everything you could describe. I mean, from from the whole thing you're talking about, like what yeah. I, what I gotten out of it, man. I think the biggest word that I've gotten it it's when I get messages from people from all over the world on how I've made an impact on their lives and how they switched their lives and um, just how I motivate them and and they've made changes because of something that I wrote or something that I shared with them. That that to me is the award when I can see something like that and knowing that I'm making a positive impact in different places of the world. Yeah. That that to me is it, it's the most amazing thing because I've been given this 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 story and, and this life experience and able to share with other people to give them a different perspective in life or inspiring them in any way, and they take something from it, dude. That that's that's. That's the biggest award for me because yeah. I get to keep the memory of my buddies alive and, and people are going to remember them. And it's just, it's giving back, man. It's doing something positive. Like we turn that whole negative situation into something positive. That, yeah. that to me is the biggest award. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what strikes me about you personally is that it's, it's always about the, what you're giving, never about what you're getting. Yeah. And to the point where you got something, but it didn't matter, but it's about, the real award is what you gave. Um, and that strikes me. The other thing I would say, you know, you, you got all these injuries and you have to fight through all those. We don't need to go through the details in those. But then you get back to what is relatively normal life. I mean, I don't think you've ever had a normal life. <laughs> Not really. Not really. <laughs> but you get back to living a life, yeah, right? Yeah, You get definitely. back to making relationships and being able to function. Making the best out of it, yeah. Yeah, making the best out of, out of the situation you're in. You know, many, you know, disabilities is the only way to put it. Mm -hmm. And then you get back into the world, and at some point, you know, the guys that own, we're sitting in an archery country, the guys, Tyler, um, and Brennan, the two guys around, were talking about the time you came in here and the first time you drew a bow. Yeah. And, and that was pretty emotional for you. Like that, that was something that. It, it was, man. Cause like growing up, I was always a rifle hunter and, um, you know, if, if, but I had always had it in the back of my head. I was like, I want to shoot a bow. I want to shoot a bow. Yeah. And, you know, I came here after hours with, with Tyler and Brennan. And I remember sitting there and I was like, man, I don't know how strong I am to pull a bow back. I was like, I know, and they're kind of laughing at me because they know I got world record titles in the Paralympics. And yeah, you were a power lifter. Yeah, power lifter. So they're like, shut up. <laughs> but I'm like, these are different muscles. This yeah. is something different uh, that I've never kind of picked up on. So yeah. I remember. Well, to, to describe for people, just for the show's purpose, how many working fingers do you have on? Probably one. One? <laughs> yeah. That trigger for you. The one that counts. The one that counts. That's right. And so, yeah, the, the the injuries are a part of it, too. I mean, yeah. it's not, you just don't have the same dexterity. Yeah. And, and that was the biggest thing, man. I, I told Brendan and Tyler, I was like, the thing that I'm scared of is that I'm going to hurt someone else around me or I'm going to hurt myself. And I was like, and I can't afford to jack up my hands more than I already are. So they brought out a, a, a beginner's bow. It was like a kid's bow. And uh, I, I was pulling 20 pounds on it, man. And, you know, I let that first arrow fly, and dude, it it was done after that. I was in here five times out of the week, like just shooting, and went from from twenty five pounds to fifty five pounds, and uh, had my first kill uh, at fifty five pounds on a bison. So, I remember you told yeah. me this story. You but, said I killed a bison. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and my first bow kill was a don't bison. do shit normal, Omar. <laughs> so, 
killed a, <laughs> killed a bison. Oh, man. It presented itself, and I was like, I got to take this. So Anytime a bison presents itself. Yeah, man. So I took the it. shot, heart shot. It was a perfect, just perfect shot, and I came back in, and, and uh, Tyler and, and Brandon were like, dude, we need to upgrade you. He's like, you're done with that kid's bow. So I, I still have it. That's one of the things I've, I'll never give up because it, it, every time I look at it in the garage, it just reminds me. Yeah. But, you know, I moved up, and you know, I'm pulling 70 pounds now. And, wow. and I mean, I probably pull more, but I don't think I need to. <laughs> I don't think you need more than 70 no. pounds to hunt. And, uh, yeah, man, now, I've, you know, I'm in here quite a bit, and now I shoot at home. I feel comfortable, and, you yeah. know, I, I try to uh, try to practice as much as possible because it's it just, man, I, I love – I fell in love with archery. I mean, I still rifle hunt and, and whatnot, but any time that I get a chance to to go hunting with, with that my bow, I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah, it's archery a discipline for you now that you've, you've gone through so many of these It things. is. It is. You know, for the longest time, uh, rifle was, was – was it for me because it took a lot of discipline and it's time and then whatnot. And I was making pretty far shots. And, uh, then I transitioned into bow hunting and I realized, you know, you gotta be a lot quieter, a lot smoother. You, you gotta kind of sneak up on things. So it makes a little, it makes it a little more challenging for me because of my leg and trying to make sure that I don't overstep or understep or, or, or make a sound and whatnot. So, it's become very challenging. There's been times where I scared deer and I'm just, I beat myself over it, but yeah. I come back and I know what I got to do. And then when, you know, the sixth time that I go out and get it done, it's just such a rewarding feeling. And I know that I put all that time and effort and work into it. And now I accomplished it. So yeah, yeah. in a sense it does, man. And I, I honestly, it was just for the longest time, I used to watch your stuff and everybody else you, know, you hang out with and, and everybody go bull hunting. And I'm like, what are these nerds doing? Like, <laughs> hey, come on. Why are you hunting for Loser. eight? Yeah, like 10 days. Get out of here. I got I got stuff to do. And, and you know, now I'm like, hey, we're going on this hunt. We're going to be gone for three weeks. And we were like, why? I was like, I'm bow hunting. I'm like, yeah. why? And, just, and, and, you know, now I kind of I kind of get it and understand why. So Do you credit? I mean, I don't think you need to be changed in any way. But do you credit hunting? You know, and you had hunting throughout. I mean, obviously. But do yeah. you credit this new um discovery of archery hunting or like just this connection to 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 post injury post war healing new life well that was always there that was one of the biggest things that helped me get out of of going the route which is that that dark side that a lot of the guys tend to get into the outdoors did that for me you know and it was getting out of the house sitting in a blind or or spot and stock whatever the case was but as long as i got out of the house and I was out in nature. Even if I didn't get a kill, it just did something to me. It, yeah. it was able to help me reset from whatever was going on back at home and, and the appointments and the doctor's appointments and the surgeries and the infections. All that all that didn't matter when I got to that camp. Yeah. And, and, and it still doesn't matter. And it's what helps me reset, man. I think there's just something about hunting and the people that are involved in it that, that are like-minded people. And, and it doesn't... It doesn't matter what color, what race, where you're from. When you step into that ranch or, or, or out in the open country, wherever you're at, and whoever you're with, that animal doesn't care what color you are or yeah. who you are or how much you make or, and whatnot. And, and you're able to connect with all those individuals because you have the same purpose, and it's to get that yeah. elk or that white yeah. tail or whatever it is. So that's always helped me. And, yeah. and just meeting people alike, man, it, it's just it, – it, it's, it's an the most amazing, beautiful, it is. enriching thing, man. Yeah, I always tell people, I don't have, and I, I always bemoan the fact that I don't have the experience of brotherhood like you did and do. Yeah, 
in, in the situations that you, you had them. But at the same level, if I've hunted with somebody on a week-long backpack trip, when I see them, the hug is not like oh no, just seeing yeah. a, a, a dude you have lunch with once a week. It's just not the same. No, and it'll never and and you can't really articulate that to people. No, not at all. And in a sense, I think it is kind of the same brotherhood. I mean, different different workplaces, different things, but the bonds there. Yeah, you know, and and it's it's amazing, man. Like I I got military buddies and I got hunting buddies, and yeah. I, they're the same to me. Yeah, they're, they're the same thing. That's cool so. to hear because I always I always always. This jealous is not the right word, but always acknowledging yeah. what going through some hardship no, like that. I, yeah. I feel like it's the same. Yeah, it's about the same, and because I, like I said, I have the same feeling that I do for both of them. You know, I, even though I experienced a hardship with, with a group, but I've I've experienced you know not killing something or bonding with that person over something else, whether it be growing up around the same neighborhood or the same town, or yeah. it just it's it's hunting, man, and you, you guys are going through the same thing. So yeah. like I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, and I see if you if this is something that you would agree with, like hunting. There's things in life that are flat experiences, like a roller coaster, for example, or any fun ride at the carnival. You do it, you get a high from it, you get your fun, and then you come down, and it has no effect on your life afterwards. Not at all. It has no residual <laughs> effect. It's a fuck two dimensional experience. You go up, you go hunting, and you get the same kind of joy and high that you might get from a roller coaster, but at the end of it. There's all these other benefits in your life. So it makes us this like three-dimensional structure in your life, and it has the same type of benefits. Is that what you've experienced? It does, man, because like I get the same feeling when I go hunting that I used to get when I was in a firefight. Yeah. The same adrenaline. This, everything's there. Yeah. and it's it's very relatable and it doesn't end that day you know you still carry it on the next day you're still excited because you accomplished it or you hold on to it because you know you didn't get that kill that day but you're going to come back in yeah. a few weeks and try it again and it's it is it, it holds it holds hand in hand man like, yeah it, a lot of people amazing... get upset or get weirded out by what the description or the comparison you just made like firefight hunting but you're not talking about the killing part no. of it no not at all no and i've always been little irked by that it's like that's not what you're talking about you're just talking about the experiential mm-hmm. the heightened sensibilities all the things that you're experiencing yeah everything is activated you're you're yeah. super aware you, you know you're hypersensitive to the noise it's just you're aware of your surroundings there's a lot of things that are implemented in a firefight yeah like, and, and and i'm glad you brought that up because i never mentioned the word killing yes but it's just the same feeling it's just everything it, it just there's a lot of similarities between the both uh, without even having to kill anything. Yeah. And yeah, it goes, hand in. I feel the same, same rush that I did, uh, that I did on a firefight when I get in a blind or when I'm yeah. walking and I come up on something. Do you ever think about your guys you serve with or guys you, you know, really serve with everybody in the military, but guys you directly serve with or indirectly serve with, is there any time that you've told somebody, Hey man, you need to go hunting. Like you're hurting right now. Get yeah. out in the woods. Yeah, my uh my buddy that was a driver that got hit the day uh that I got hit, he uh got married, everything was going good, and all of a sudden got divorced and he was uh in a rough spot. And I said, Hey man, I am not the richest person in the world, but I was like, I got a little bit of money. I'm gonna buy your plane ticket and we're gonna go hunt in San Angelo. I had a buddy of mine who's got a ranch out there and allowed me to come and bring a couple of other guys out. So I brought about two or three window guys. And my buddy and we went hunting for uh, axes and man, he just had a blast and 
got home to South Carolina and he was like, man, thank you so much. That kind of reset me and, and helped me a little bit just to get away and not think about it. And he's like, and I'm in a much better place. And I was like, good. So man, every, every time I get a chance, man, when I get people that call me up and they're like, Hey, I got, I got two spots and I got this white tail that, uh, I want somebody to take, um, I, you know, I just start kind of looking through my list and I start looking at people that I know that need it. And I take those guys hunting. Yeah. And, and now, man, I, I get a kick of watching someone else get the kill. Then if I were to get it, like, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still, I still want to get that. I feel the same way it. as you. I'm like, I really would like you to kill it. But if it happens to walk by here, yeah, I, you're, you're I'm cool with luck. that too, yeah. man. I'm not going yeah, to so, push my luck. Yeah, man. So it's just kind of, it's just grown into that, man. And I'm just, I, I love hunting. I love everything about it. I love what we do, the preservation, everything, everything behind hunting, man. It's just, I, I've never met a hunter that is just a bad person. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I just haven't met. There's plenty. Yeah. There's I mean, plenty. yeah. Camping know. is fun, but there's people that litter. Like hunting is fun. There's people that poach. Like it just, that's part mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. Military is great. There's some people that are bad there too. Oh yeah, of course. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's not worth focusing on, but so life for you today, I mean, how many years since you woke up from that? Eleven. So you're eleven years. Eleven in. years in. And life for you today is is what? I mean, it seems happy. You seem. Man, it's awesome. Man. It seems an admirable life that you live. It. it you know what, man? I, I'm very blessed to have the friends that I have and and the things that I'm able to do. And I, I got a great woman at home that allows me to well, allows me i guess we can say that but <laughs> mine too yeah. mine's allowing me to be here tonight <laughs> yeah no kidding like allows me to do the things that i do the things that matter the things about giving back and, yeah. and being involved in my community and then you know uh, all my buddies over at black rifle coffee all the stuff that we get to do and how we give back and how we make people laugh and all the skits that we make and you know and then being here and, and doing events like these and, and shooting yeah. arrows and you know hanging out with you and Dudley yeah. and everybody else is just kind of I mean I couldn't ask for a better life like you know I was dealt a shitty hand but you know the, the next one that came around was a lot better and yeah you know here I am today and I'm gonna make the best of it man because I'm not throwing I'm not throwing my second chance at life away I'm yeah. not gonna be locked up in a room feeling sorry for myself because no one's gonna give a shit but me no one's yeah. going to care. You're like, you know what? At a point, people are going to get bored of it. And they're going to be like, well, you know what? He gave up. I'm done. So I refuse to do that because it's it'll, it would be an injustice to my friends that died that day for me to throw my life away, yeah. feeling sorry for myself. And that yeah. just, it's never been me. Like, man, I, I'm here for a reason. I'm, I'm happy. I love life. Like, there's just so many great things uh, to focus on and, and things to do, man. Like, I, you know, we all have goals. I want to do a bunch of different things before I'm done. Like, I, I just, it's just life's such a beautiful gift, man. I'm not yeah. going to throw it away. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, through your life, even in you're sitting in a burning Humvee, you're given, man. Like, you're given to people. And your story's a gift. Like, you are a gift, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> Thanks, man. And one of the things that struck me during, um, the hurricane in Houston. How long ago was that now? Are we going up in a year now? Yeah, I was just saying yeah. a year, but I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, I think so. It's coming up in, in one year. And what struck me about that is that during that, you were from here at Archery Country organizing trailer loads of goods, sacrificing your time and all your energy and bringing people together. John Dudley came down to help yeah. with some of that. And, and, and 
pulling together as much energy of positive energy during that time of crisis as you possibly could and continuing not to just talk about giving or or exemplify but but put that shit into real action yeah and um we got to go to an event and see the people but i want to end on like tell people you know you went through the worst thing imaginable Mm mm-hmm and you said you got a second chance in life. Yeah. What would you say to somebody that like, my life's not working out for me. Life, for whatever reason, life is shit right now. And I can't get up off the mat. I keep trying to get up and I keep getting knocked back down. I keep trying to get up. I keep getting knocked back down. What would you say to that person who just is 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 at the end? Man, if I can give an advice is if you could keep getting knocked down, make sure you're lying on your back. And once you get up, look at look at life right in the eyes and say, what else you got, bitch? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, man, it, it's part of life, man. It, it, we're going to get knocked down so many times, but that one time you get up and do something, it's going to be magical. It's going to be epic. Like, it's just you're, you're one shot away from doing something that's going to change the rest of your life. And the minute that you give up, you're done. Yeah. So just keep keep at it, man. Life, life's going to test you, and it's going to test you very hard. And it's up to you how much you want to keep giving back and how much you really want it. Yeah, and if you ever feel like giving up, just listen to this podcast over again, or yeah, follow sure. Crispy on on Instagram and wherever <laughs> you can find him, and then shut the fuck up and get rolling. <laughs> Don't be a bitch about uh, it, man. Uh, hey, I complain sometimes too, man, but you know, <laughs> it's we're humans. Yeah, we're gonna do it. Well, of course we are. Of course we are. But yeah, I mean, I could say so much about your story, but as far as came to this country, you you sacrificed to be here, and then were accepted, and then and sacrifice for this thing and then and now here you sit um so it's a special thing to sit down and talk to you and i really appreciate it thanks man i appreciate it thanks for having me on yeah let's go uh have a drink and enjoy we're at i didn't we never really talked about we're at <laughs> we're in tyler's tyler uh, vandercook owns as the owner of arch country his office is in tatters like i think this we maybe use this use this um moment to call him out a little bit yeah clean this he, thing he up. needs to there's clean like, it up in here i mean there's like it looks like you might have a problem because there's a a, a th- two-thirds drank bottle of tito's like a handle of vodka <laughs> and there's like a, some some scribbled on posted notes it's not looking good in here not at all there's some questionable drinks around here yeah. that yeah he's got, we looked at he's got a uh, right in his desk he's got a bang <laughs> he's got a bang georgia peach sweet tea protein brain and body fuel <laughs> i've never even heard of that but nobody's all right. ever heard of that yeah it says super creatine <laughs> bcaa aminos anyway tyler Jeez. of our true country we got we have to have an intervention yeah yeah so. clean your shit up <laughs> but we're here we're here for bha we're here for a cool full draw a film night yeah to, i'm looking uh, forward to that watching films and celebrating public lands and i'm glad i'd be here with you man yeah likewise brother thanks for having me on man it's it's, it's an honor i hope uh hope people enjoy this podcast i hope they do i know they will and hopefully next time we can go hunt yeah Let's i'm in that. done I, i'm all in thank you sir thanks man that's it that is all Episode number 26 is in the books. I want to thank Omar Crispy for sitting down with me here at Archery Country in Austin, Texas, talking about his life and times, his story, what the military means to him, what sacrifice means to him, and all those types of things. Um, I'm not really sure what to say about that story other than I'm, I'm floored by it. I am inspired by it. 
and I'm forever changed by um, sitting across from this man and, and listening to what he went through. I think hopefully as you all listen to his story, if not go back and listen to it again, think about where you were in your life, what you were doing um, when he was in a burning Humvee and when he was going through a hundred surgeries and, when he, and he was rehabbing he was fitting his prosthetic leg think about where you were and what you had that he didn't have um, and hopefully we can all learn from it and we all get better so appreciate you for listening appreciate Omar for, for being a part of this I don't really have much more to say I think I just want to end this by saying thank you Omar thank you I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made, innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business.